Just looking at the All Share Index uh, in 2023, I guess we were in positive territory, not as strongly as what we saw from our European and US counterparts. Uh, but overall, the South African equity space, does it still hold a sense of vibrancy for investors? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. So if we look at the year as a whole, there were actually significant opportunities. Money was made. Um, but at, it, broadly speaking, across the 12-month span, not a lot of money was made if you were just sort of buy and hold in the index. If you were mm. the passive, it was more of an active investor's market. For the passive investors, the index would have returned you maybe a couple of percent at best. So the question is obviously, uh, and we've asked this, we've seen it a number of times in South Africa over the past five or six years, is it looks like there's value. On paper, there's value. The question becomes, how do we unlock the value? How do we realize this value as investors or as a country? Um, and and really, we are somewhat bound by the, the economic climate that we're living in, the, the constrained GDP and some of the, the regulatory and other structural growth concerns that we have. And that is, we, we're, we're on the cusp of being a value trap, let me rather say. So I think there are opportunities and we have a lot of great companies, but they can only operate they can only do so much within a constrained environment you know the the pot of corporate earnings is limited by the company the country's earnings if you like mm. and so we we really need to really ignite this market we need to grow the the country's gdp we need to you know grow jobs we need some of the macro factors to come into play um so we have some challenges yep. um we are lacking some vibrancy in some respects around maybe the technology and the new in- innovations that are happening around the world but if you do your homework and you roll up your sleeves, there are still some very good businesses that are actually operating well in this tough environment. So it's certainly not all doom and gloom. Um, if anything, as an active manager, as we are, it's probably better than the scenario where everything goes up in sync with uh, without much thinking behind it, because it's very hard to to drive any performance in that in that sense. Hundred percent. It's active managers like yourself who see through the the SCOMs and the load sheddings and the yes. Transnet freight <laughs> rail, and you go through the evaluations, right? The dividend yield, the PE ratios, and what the technicalities are showing about certain stocks. Uh, and you've done exactly yes. that, and you have a wonderful list that you've compiled of uh, uh, some of the best performing stocks we saw on the JSC. How many gold comes out tops? with a 105% increase. And I must say, I'm slightly surprised by that because the gold price did see a prop up towards the end of the year. But I'm assuming this is, again, speaks to the safe haven aspect of uh, mining houses. Yes, interestingly, uh, in the top 10, there were two gold stocks. Harmony was obviously number one um, and Goldfields won the other one. But but really, the the thing with uh, these miners and the gold miners are a classic example is they have a lot of what's called gearing to the gold price. So, so they get once they've paid off their costs um, and they earn, they're selling their production for enough money to cover their costs. Every extra dollar they sell the gold for is straight to the bottom line. And so, as this gold price rallied, it hit an all-time high. In fact, um, in early December this year, mm-hmm. uh, it had a very volatile year, but overall. Really, gold has as close at or near its all-time highs again, and and that of course feeds a lot of that goes straight into the bottom line, and so you get these massive moves in these gold stocks and these gold miners. Harmony is one of the more marginal producers in South Africa. They have a higher cost base, but once that's covered, it's blue sky for them. So they are thriving in this environment, and as you said, the geopolitical tensions, 
are, are significant. And that's been a, a big drive of, of gold's performance. We've seen um, central banks around the world buying a lot more than they have over the over the past 10 years of, of gold. And that's another supporting factor. So if you've got an appetite for it, gold can provide you some really exciting returns, but it can also move, you know, the other way as well. The gearing works both ways. So in many respects, gold is almost uh, a bit more of a trading asset than a, a long-term, you know, buy and close your eyes, unless yeah. you have a really strong stomach for it. <laughs> I'm certainly not one for it. Eh? I, I, I just like to stay away <laughs> from the volatility. Speaking of volatility, we've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, volatility, especially in the financial services space. And um, again, because banks and uh, other financial services spaces um, have an influence and, and a front row seat to the macroeconomic conditions in South Africa. Sundam, I see, is one that uh, also performed quite strongly, up by 59%. Uh, are there any others on Sundam, mm. you know, with Sundam that might have featured and um, have you underpinned what some of the drivers are behind this? So, so Sunlum was the only financial stock that, that had that kind of return. And I think there was a couple of factors. Uh, one was it, it did come into the, it, it got sold off quite hard at the end of 2022, probably well below its fair value. It looked very interesting to us coming into 2023. Um, it was trading very cheap relative to its long-term history. Uh, and then coupled with that, they've actually been, uh, probably operating better than the peers. So they've really been driving some of their core business well. The insurers have benefited from a recovery in the mortality rates of normalization, if you like, post-COVID. You know, there are less claims on life insurance and some of the other claims. So they, there's been a nice recovery there for the insurers. Mm-hmm. Plus, they've been doing some deals. They bought Absa's uh, asset management business and attracted a $66 billion odd of AUM there. Um, they've done deals in Africa. They did a JV with... Alliance, which is a global reinsurer. So that's another, and the African expansion has actually so far been very successful. So Sunlum has been very proactive. Uh, they've had high levels of corporate activity under a good management team that manages the business well. And so it's been a really good story that offered a lot of value at the start of the year. And, you know, for those who'd, who'd identified that, uh, really good returns and, and far outstripped some of the other insurers because they just quite frankly they just haven't been able to operate mm. at the same level that Sunlum has. So it's almost a standalone story some of it in what you're seeing in Sunlum. 100%. The retail end also got my attention and I'm speaking specifically about stocks that many South Africans are, and some of our listeners would be able to relate to. Typically when I think retail mm. I think food retailers will certainly have a field mm. because a man is a man must eat, right? Is is typically the saying. <laughs> exactly. But true words so a 48% increase here. I'm surprised by mm. this one. It is a surprise. I mean, it's not one you, you, you're likely, I don't think we'll see it again in the next 10 years. Um, but really, again, it was a lot of our retailers came in really, really cheap into the year. And Truett has this ability to generate a significant amount of cash flow, very strong balance sheet. So very safe, even as it gets very cheap and even as the environment is constrained, they've always been something that you could sort of lean into if you needed to. In, in the discretionary retail space. And and then, of course, what really drove the sort of the growth for them was the UK's office, their office portfolio. So they have this um, chain of, off, of what's called office stores that mainly sell footwear for working populations and mainly women and middle-aged populations. And as the, the general workforce went back to work in the UK uh, post-COVID, they saw a massive boom. Uh, people hadn't bought work shoes in a couple of years. We were all buying, you know, 
uh, sneakers and living at home and wearing tracksuit pants. And suddenly yeah. people wanted work shoes again. And um, that was a real kicker for them. It was by far the star performer. Uh, and of course, they were earning it in pounds. So that grew in double figures. And you had the, the benefit of the, the weakening rand. So that really supported their earnings and, and drove this performance from Truist off a very um, cheap price at the start of the year. 100%. As we close off, though, Grant, I've spoken specifically about stocks that many South Africans can relate to and that we uh, typically hear about. But uh, looking at some of the lists mm. that have been compiled in a few articles, it does seem as though um, some mid-cap stocks have done incredibly well. And even those that operate mm. in sectors that might not be consumer-facing. Uh, is there an opportunity that we should look into here? <laughs> well, I mean, that is that is a good question. So, so I was looking for a theme uh, among the top performers trying to see was there one sort of dominant theme and and really there wasn't you know um but but something like ppc did tremendously well up 83 percent but then i think it's important to go back and see that the stock was five rand two years ago it fell as low as two rand last year and it recovered to around three three rand 80 which which is from the low it's been a great um acquisition but it's a really kind of risky investment they've done a lot of corporate restructuring and turned the business around um, so, but there was a lot of risk in owning that share. So perhaps it wasn't a no-brainer. It's not something we would have owned. Uh, so one needs to be a little bit careful there. Uh, another one that did really well is Aspen, and that's more of a, a blue chip type kind of company that people yeah, can yeah. comfortably own. Something that stood out to me that I think a, a man in, a man at home, a person at home can look at for themselves is Bytes Technology, which is a really high quality little business in the UK. That plays in the software as a services space. They do consulting. And if you think of this world of digitization, we're moving into the cloud. We've got AI coming in, this generative AI uh, that's transforming the world of, of technology and the way we work and live. These guys are well-placed to benefit from that. And they're earning pounds. They have a dual listing. Um, and I think this is a great little business. It's not that liquid. It's not that big. So the big institutions can't really uh, get their foot in the door there which actually opens up, I believe, an opportunity for, for some of them, you know, people at home to perhaps put a little bit of that into their portfolio. So if I had to look at one of these top performers that really stood out to me as, as something that I'd, I would hold for perhaps 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, it would be something like that. Ah, 100%. Definitely something that we'll look into and consider going forward and uh, maybe calling you, Grant, when we find ourselves stuck to say, Grant, just help me. By all this. means, <laughs> give us a call. Definitely. <laughs> We're happy to help. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grant. Really appreciate your time this evening and insights. It's a pleasure. And if you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.